Welcome to the Fire and Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow. I believe in taking massive, inspired action from an awakened soul. This show is a weekly dose of spiritual principles, personal development, and success strategies for creating an epically aligned life. Here's to your wildest dreams coming true with less hustle, grit and grind, more flow, ease, and grace. I'm the founder of the Live Video Mastery Academy, a TV host, speaker, best-selling author, and proud fur mama, and I'll be sharing real talks with successful entrepreneurs, thought leaders, best-selling authors, spiritual luminaries, and high-performance experts in this unfiltered, transformational, and soul-centered podcast. Things are about to get real. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the Fire and Soul Podcast. I am so excited for our first guest on the Fire and Soul Pod. And by the way, Miss Sally Lou Loveman embodies the mission of Fire and Soul. She takes inspired action from an awakened soul and has been doing so for her entire life. You're gonna love this story, you're gonna love who she is, and you'll fall in love with her just like I did at first speak. Well, I had to speak with her, you'll have a listen. I encourage you to listen to the pod all the way through because the story gets so juicy and yummy toward the end. Not to mention, I'd like you to all go on over to lovespeaks.com and check her out and see how she can serve you. This is a woman who walks her talk and she's got a beautiful story that's deeply inspiring and totally unique. She worked with Oprah as her audience producer for almost 20 years. That was the duration of the time that she was connected to that beautiful soul. And she shares what it was like to work for and with Oprah, what she's doing now, and how at 57 years young, she's just getting started. There's so much exciting stuff happening in this pod. It was such an honor. And for me, there was no question that there was any other guest that I have already recorded interviews with. And I probably have about a dozen right now. I chose Sally Lou Loveman as the first official guest on the Fire and Soul pod because for me, as I said, she just oozes and radiates the mission of where we're headed now. So I'm excited for you to get to know her. Let me give you her formal bio. Sally Lou Loveman has into a lifetime doing what she loves. As the former audience producer for the Oprah Winfrey Show, Oprah's Life Class, and recently the Megyn Kelly Today Show, Sally Lou lives her purpose by connecting with audiences. At age 14, Sally Lou tuned into her passion for television when she was an audience member at the Mike Douglas Show. She spotted a girl on the set with a clipboard, and while she didn't know what the girl did, she knew that one day she she would do it too. After a 35 career in television and having entertained over a half of a million people from the Oprah stage, Sally Lou Loveman brings her messages to new audiences through her company, Love Speaks. Today, Sally Lou serves her clients and engages audiences with inspirational presentations that connect with truth, talent, and a life's work. When people connect and recognize the great joys in life, the purpose that feeds their spirit and soul, they share that enthusiasm and drive with the people who surround them. And that is the moment when love really speaks. That's a quote from Sally Lou. Oh, you're going to fall in love with her just like I did. So without further ado, please meet the one and only Miss Sally Lou Loveman.
Sally Lou Loveman, welcome to the Fire and Soul Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. I'm so excited to be here. Hi, Michelle. Hi, my friend. You had me at hello. You had me at everything. I mean, I'm telling you, the fact that you just called me up in your busy world and gave me time and you're still calling me, I, I can't thank you enough. So I, my soul is, is on fire just sitting here <laughs> knowing that I get to talk to you for 40 minutes or so. So oh, thank that was you. good. Oh, please. The honor is all mine. And that was really good, by the way. I like how you wove that in. Because this is, we're at the beginning of launching the Fire and Soul podcast. And you're only my second guest under this umbrella. And I thought, oh my gosh, Sally Lou Loveman is the perfect person to have this conversation. I want to let everyone know how we met. And then I want to hear a little bit about your story, where you were, where you even were two weeks ago, how you've had an even deeper awakening and what this all means for us and how we can utilize some of your learnings to awaken us up more fully into curating our story and moving forward in our mission. Right. But we met through a mastermind member of mine named Julius Graham. And Julius Graham knew you from the Oprah Winfrey show. And he said to me, what, four or five months ago, you have got to meet Sally Lee Loveman. The two of you will hit it off. I just think there's some synergies there. And he's such a beautiful soul. And so we did. Anytime anyone says, you got to meet someone, I just think I need to do that, right? And so we hopped on the phone and that was it. It was, it was love at first call for me. It was, it was. And for me, I was, I was like, why in the world am I doing this? Michelle, who has so much on her plate and and I'm like, oh my goodness. And then as soon as we said, hello, that was it. I was like, I love you. I love (laughs) your energy. I love your mission. I love your soul. And the fact that we haven't met in real life or as they say, IRL. (laughs) I know it doesn't even feel that way. I feel like I have met you in real life and I thank you. Well, I thank you. And that's the beautiful thing though about video is that you get this context and texture of someone's soul. And so you actually took me up on a challenge. You had never done a Facebook live and everyone that listens knows that I'm all about the Facebook lives because when we allow ourselves to be seen and we hit that blue button called the courage button, go live. I like that. it wakens something up in each and every one of us. And you did a Facebook Live challenge with me. What was that like? Well, I did. It was seven days. I thought I would absolutely <laughs> fail miserably. And I <laughs> loved it. It gave me life. It gave me connection. I, as you know, but maybe your listeners don't know, as the former audience producer at the Oprah Winfrey Show, I would go out in front of hundreds, thousands of people and a microphone with zero fear. It's just, I don't have any fear about speaking in front of an audience, but the idea of speaking to a screen and not know who's there is very strange to me. And I just thought that's not, how can I feel connected? And what will people, will people like roll their eyes and why are, why is she on my feed? And as soon as I saw like the first name pop up, I'm like, hi, and then names, names, names. And and by the way, since that time, each day, I had a phone call or a text mm. or a message with somebody that we just hadn't talked in a few months or years. And then that's what it brought out. And plus it, it was like, oh, I do have a little ministry going here. Like I, I wasn't prepared. I was just casual. It's always better to be a little prepared, but also be willing to wing it. And so that's what Facebook Live is about, is winging it. And I loved it. 
I know. And you were such a natural, one of the best of all time. And I put hundreds and hundreds. Now there's 1400 people in a group that I started on Facebook called the Facebook live challenge group. And there's six continents represented. It's crazy. And, and they're all out there letting it rip in real time and winging it. And every one of them is cultivating more confidence, more clarity, community, just like you said, wow, this is my little ministry. Now your topics, you were such a natural. It was crazy. Like I was watching the engagement and the questions and the comments and the and the connection with you and I'm like this woman was born to do this well I was and 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 here I was the most shy child in the whole wide world oh wow teacher told my mom I would never make a friend and you know I was just I was just that kind of kid that was scared of everything and I am I am scared of a lot of things I'm scared of technology how many times have I called you like what is Zoom? How am I going to do this? And I'm, I'm scared of silly things and I'm scared of normal things, but I'm not scared of speaking. Mm. And I don't always think I'm the best speaker in the room or the smartest person in the room or the, I don't always have the best, you know, biggest, brightest, newest message, but I just know that there's something that happens when I'm in front of one person or 100 people and it's my mission. It's my purpose. I, I learned it from my dad, which is why I even went to work for Oprah. You know, it just, it, it's in my DNA. I so, love it. And by the way, the thing about fear is that if you are in your purpose, you're never scared. It's so, so true. It's like that for me. And I know that because I'm a scared flyer and I fly every week. I'm always on a plane. But if I'm writing on a plane, if I'm writing a speech or a workshop or recently my book, I am not scared. If I'm speaking on a plane, which I have done for my favorite <laughs> airline on the little flight attendant coughing, I'm not scared. I'm not in the fetal position. I could, I wouldn't even care because I'm in my purpose. Yes. No, I totally hear that. You woke up to that. Let's yeah. talk about how we got there. So when you were young, you knew that you wanted to do something like this, but then at 14, a very specific vision came into your life and then you were crystal clear. Yes. Well, I don't know that I knew anything that I wanted to do until that moment happened uh-huh. at 14. Although I was raised by my parents and my dad, who is just a natural born connector. He's a physician. You know, he was doing Oprah before Oprah was Oprah. Like he, <laughs> you know, living his best life, being healthy, being well, connecting everybody that he sees along the way, always ready to save somebody. But that was mm-hmm. his purpose because mm-hmm. he, he was a physician. But he was he was a heart that beat in such a big way, in every way. And it didn't matter who you were. He was going to make sure that you knew that you mattered. And so that's what he did. And that's how I was raised. So by the time at 14, when I landed in an audience at the Mike Douglas show, because my mom got tickets and all of a sudden I saw this girl on the set with a clipboard and I'm like, okay, it's 1976. She's a woman. She's got a headset on, which makes her cool. She's carrying a clipboard, which makes her official. And she was super busy. I'm like, I want to do that. I don't know what it is, but I want to do that. And that's when I realized television was for me. And I went back to high school, went to college, studied TV, studied, did my internships. And it was never a doubt in my mind. I knew I wanted to be in a television studio. I knew I wanted to help people, but I knew I couldn't save their lives like my dad did. I just knew I could make them better. And that's really what I've been doing for 35 years. And I've never gone off track from it. I've just made different 
roads taken, but I've always known that I want to connect with an audience. And it doesn't matter how big your audience is. It could be an audience of one or an audience of hundreds. It doesn't matter what your social media following is. It could be small. It could be millions. But if an audience gathers to hear from you, that's a gift. I totally agree. And it has definitely been bestowed upon you because you are so natural. I love that you're here. Okay. So you see the audience producer at the Mike Douglas show. You're 14. Then you go on. Where did you go to school? You know, I wish I, I wish I knew she was the audience producer. I just knew she was busy. And I just knew she had a clipboard and she looked. She could have been the audio girl for all I know. I just know she was busy and helping people in the studio. I went to Lafayette College, which was a very small liberal arts school that did not at the time have a media major or television broadcast major. And I went because my whole family had gone. And every time I looked at another school, I was like, Mm-mm, it's not Lafayette. And so I loved it every second of it. And it's my heart and soul again. Like our family, we are always going to that school because nine of us went there and graduated. And it's just a very special place. And it's got my dad all over that campus. Like his soul just lingers there. He went there. But I made that school work for me because it didn't have television. And I just did a lot of internships. I went to Washington, D.C. And I found out about an internship in Chicago while I was in Washington, D.C. my junior year. And that I got it. I didn't know where Chicago was. Geography, <laughs> not my strong suit, nor is math. And here I, I moved to Chicago. I don't know a soul. And the same year I moved to Chicago, Oprah moves to Chicago. So Whoa. it's 1984. So I believe, I mean, I have been practicing transformational work since the age of two. But at that time, I will tell you, that was a universe. That was a God moment. That was a universe moment. I wanted to work for a talk show my whole life. I didn't know where Chicago was, but I went there and so did the woman who would change the face of television Um, the entire world. Oh, that's so beautiful, Sally Lou. I had no idea that that happened. And so how old were you when you moved to Chicago? So I was 22. Okay. And I met Oprah probably at 22, 23. And at 25 is when her show went national. Mm. And I interviewed for the audience coordinator job there and I didn't get it, which was weird. Again, I didn't get it, but she liked me. I loved her. And they called me a year later because whoever got the job, they, they, they were like, um, maybe we need Sally Lou. So they did. And they called me. And then that was when I started. So I started a year after the show went national. There were like 15 of us there. Amazing. Crazy. And yeah. how long were you with the show? So it's, it's hard to say because I always just say like over 20 years because I worked full time there for like five or six years. Then I stopped, had babies and freelanced there for 10 years and went back in 2003 until 2014. So somewhere, you know, I was never straight. I didn't start the first year because I tried to, but I didn't, you know, I was there from the beginning until the end with Mm -hmm. a lot of twists and turns. Yeah. Twists and turns. A lot of life happening for you. I love it. And I love how you talked about the God moment. And it's so true. I call that grace. I know that's your favorite word in your puppy's name. You're crazy. Okay. So what is your experience like working for Miss Oprah Winfrey? Because I've heard stories and I'm going to share what I heard in a moment and you can tell me if you agree, but what was your experience like? Well, it was like getting your master's in 
everything in wellness, in kindness, in grace, in mm. gratitude, in forgiveness, mm. in really working hard because not just because you wanted to get ahead, you worked hard because you were tied to the to the message. Mm. It wasn't about, oh, I want to, I want to become a producer. I didn't even care. I just wanted to be in her midst. And I got to be with her a lot as the audience producer, because I was always in the studio. What was really cool for me? Yes. Every time she spoke, any meeting, anywhere we were, her words just literally like my whole body felt them. I mean, from top to bottom mm. and it was never lost on me. Even if she told the same story twice, I was always like, Oh, like it was so beautiful. But the coolest thing for me was to watch the audience who had never heard her speak to them directly, speak to them directly. And I just kept my eyes on their faces and they would just be like, Oh my goodness. And that to me, was the most beautiful, beautiful thing to experience because you got to see people awaken to her right before your eyes. It was mm. beautiful. It is beautiful. I've heard people, I now have two people in my life that worked for Oprah for many, many years in Chicago. And both of them have said the exact same thing. Whomever you think you love and admire on TV, <laughs> imagine multiplying that by 10 behind the scenes. She's the real exactly. deal. Oh, yeah. That's incredible. You don't really hear that much in life, Sally Lou. That, that Cecil B. DeMille speech, like mm. that was normal. <laughs> that, was like, that was like a Tuesday, you know? <laughs> right. Like, that's normal. And so I, I really have to stop and pause. And I've been gone eight years or something like that. Well, no, that's, that's I'm sorry. That's from the show ending. I've been gone like six years. But the idea that I was picked to be in her path, mm. to work for her, was not an accident. It was not an accident. It was a God moment. And I believe it so truly. And as I get older with each story and each decade and each year, I unravel so much goodness that comes from messages from the universe and the magic that is created when we are tuned in and when we are efficient with what we know we want, which is really having purpose and love and knowing what you want to do with your life. It just opens up this world. And even though I may not have seen it or known it at 22, I know it for sure at 57. Oh, I love what you just said, that when you really wake up to what you truly want, you're so much more efficient. Oh, so I totally believe that. That is the essence of Fire and Soul podcast, right? Taking massive inspired action from an awakened aligned soul. And, right. and when we do that, yes, it is much more efficient. And, and I think the universe quickens those God moments and the grace and the abundance because you're so crystal clear, but it is in divine right order with yeah. what you're supposed to be doing. And that's what I see you doing now. So let's talk about the show ending. Then what do you do? Well, so it's funny because the show ended and we were still doing some audience work for own, which was really fun. We did a whole tour from like five or six cities with a show that Oprah did called Life Class. Oprah's That's Life. right. We had a lot of things going on in our studio and it was really fun and outside of our studio. And then when that was just about to be done and over, 
I just kept getting opportunities to speak on other stages. And I'll never forget the National Restaurant Show, which was really, was my second opportunity to speak. My first was with a big client, Vera Bradley. I did a four-day keynote in, I think we were in Orlando. And it was amazing. I'm like, well, this, I want to do this full time. (laughs) I realized that's not the speaking world, how it works, but it was really great start. But I was at the National Restaurant Show and I was emceeing the the Celebrity Chef four-day event there. And all of a sudden in the second day, the audience was lining up and I thought they were lining up to like, speak to the chef or go get a book signing. But I realized they were lining up to talk to me. And I I kept looking behind me and I'm like, what is happening? What is going on? What are they giving away? And, and they were actually (laughs) to talk to me. And I thought, Oh, what I do works on other stages, works for other brands, works because it's what I do. It's what I'm good at. And even Oprah said in our 25th season behind the scenes show that we did, and she said that it was my sweet spot. I had tried other things. I tried to be a producer, hated it. I tried other things. I'm so sensitive that if if somebody was canceling on me, a guest, I would, I would fall apart. So (laughs) I'm like, nope, this isn't for me. And actually I was really scared of writing and now I love writing, which goes to show that everything's a practice. So the more you do it, the better we get at these things, just like speaking, just like writing and just like meditation and mindfulness. The more we do it, the better we are. But that was my sweet spot, being in the studio and representing a brand that I loved, which was Oprah and being with the people. I just love being with the people. And so I've done it since then. And I, I, you know, when the show ended, I, I started my own business, Love Speaks, because when something you love speaks to you, you do that something. And that's what I was doing, just going around and speaking and emceeing events and connecting audiences to a brand and brands to audiences. And then I do some speaker coaching. So, but in the meantime, I'll just say is that I also do a lot of consulting for television. So I'm still in the television studio, which is my home away from home. I was just going to say, do you miss that? I miss it like there is no tomorrow. And you think, oh, you know, you, you get older, you don't want it. I want it all the time. Now, trust me, it's much harder to do it when you're 57 because the days are long. The days are 14 hour days. I I did it at the Today Show. I did it for six months and I was ready to take a break because it is very tiring on your body and your soul. But I miss it. I love show day. Show day is everything to me. But I have show days all the time. They don't have to be in a studio. It's like, this is show this right here is show day. I got off the plane at LaGuardia a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, uh, show day, show day. When you're inspired from inside and you know your purpose, and you know why you're here. Yeah, there are days where it's hard if you're not getting the client you want or making the money you think you should be making or whatever it is that you're thinking you're not doing enough of. But show day for me means I know why I'm here. Yes, this is what I was made for. Yeah. Yes, I love that. And I know because I've been in TV for 10 years, right. it's it's a hard thing to describe unless you've been there, right. but it is wildly contagious. Even if you don't even watch TV or watch that particular show, if the audience is enlivened and if they've got someone like you who's really connecting them to each other, to the show, to the mission, right, to the, the topic of the day or whatever, which I know you do very, very well, it's like the grandest, coolest party on the planet. Well, 
you know what the cool thing is? And I think this speaks to your podcast and your listeners and you. I'll never forget when I, it, it was somewhere in the early 2000s. And I, I started to say to our director, I said, is the audience beginning to look like a Saturday Night Live skit? Like, <laughs> you know, and like Oprah would come out and they'd scream and I'm like, oh. And I just, it was just when like the show was evolving into something more spiritual yep. and more meaningful. And I don't remember thinking like, oh, this is what we should do. But I stopped doing all that craziness. And what I began to do is focus on the audience coming, not to just to see Oprah, but mm -hmm. that they were coming with the person that stood by them in life. Yes. And so we called it that, you know, you're coming with your top Oprah pick. And the Oprah Winfrey show doesn't have to be on the air to know who your top Oprah pick is right? Like if you got tickets to the Oprah show, you're only taking one person. You already know who that person is. Yes. Now, if you got lucky and got four tickets, you're going to bring your two next best Oprah picks, mm -hmm. but you are bringing the person that you called every day to say, are, you know, are you watching Oprah or the person you call every day when you want to share the best news and the worst news. And so these are the people that are standing by you in life. And now they're standing by you in that studio that meant so much to so many people. Mm -hmm. And that is what we were creating there in that audience warm up, and that is what I can try to continue to create in my own work. And it's about the connection with the people who are experiencing the wonderment of whatever it may be. It's it could be Oprah, it could be a chef at a at the national restaurant show, it could be anything. Yeah. But the fact that you are taking the time to be on this journey together, that's. That's what I like to tap into. Beautiful. I love that. That is before it's time. It was a super soul community. It was. Right? It, and that's who you are. And it's why you're on the show. And it's why I magnetized to you the moment that I even saw your name. What a talk about a God moment. Sally Lou Loveman now has a company called Love Speaks. Right. Okay. You planted a seed a moment ago. And I know the story a little bit, but I'd love for you to share it with my listeners. You were talking about how just a couple of weeks ago, you got off the plane in LaGuardia and you said, it's no time. What right. was happening there? Right. I flew to New York and I live in Chicago. I flew to New York to interview for an audience producer job for a new talk show. And I wanted the job and I knew I was going to get it because I... I mean, I, my resume is too long to even read and I don't, and yes, it's, it's, it's great because I have a lot of experience, but also shows I'm a little old, but I was, I'm like, I'm not too old for this job. No. I knew this job was mine. I knew I could connect that audience better than anyone could ever possibly do. And I went in there, not at all cocky, not at all, but I knew I went in there with purpose and I was listening to my music in my headphones and I'm walking through LaGuardia like doing the pre-show warm-up and I'm like yeah it's show day I'm gonna get this job I'm gonna live in the West Village I'm gonna move my husband's gonna commute and then we're gonna live there forever and I'm gonna call my dog walker because I've done a lot of work in New York and have been there uh months at a time and I'm like great and then a week later I don't get the job and I I was like what and so it was really a big shock for me I can't tell you how many jobs I have applied to because when you're an entrepreneur, which I'm really not a good one, I'm, I'm not even an entrepreneur. I am one because I started my own business, but I would much rather work for, you know, a fabulous brand than work for myself. And even though I love my brand, because that's who I am. I love just representing other people. And I like 
kind of like being told what to do because it's just easier sometimes. <laughs> so, but on the other hand, once you work for Oprah, it's really hard to work for anyone else. So that is true. And why, why is that? Because you're spoiled rotten. So the bar was so high. Yes. You're yeah. spoiled rotten. It, it is, it literally, we worked hard, but we were, we were treated so beautifully oh. and we were just a family mm. and it was so such an honor to work in that building and such an honor to work for her. That's very hard to work for someone else. Mm. I have had really great bosses and some not so great bosses. And I've had a great boss since that time, which I'm thrilled to say, because I never thought I could again. But <laughs> my joke is that I really want to start a podcast called Live Love Speaks. But what I really want to do is start a podcast that's living your worst life. What it's like, <laughs> what it's like, what it's like to live after working for Oprah. It's not as good. It's just not. It's not as good. And, that's and hilarious. Okay, but so where can you find the God moment in not getting the job? God moment to go was, in New York. The God moment was the next day I cried for 24 hours. I thought my television career was over. I was really sad and I thought, wow, they must not like me. Hmm. But it's not about me. I guess, you know, in TV, people have their people and they weren't people that I had worked with. So they probably have someone they worked with. So I, I realized it's not about me. Well, actually, my therapist, if we want to get to it, said the next day, because I went to see him, <laughs> I just happened to have an appointment. But he said, Sally Lou, maybe you weren't supposed to get on the plane. And I went, no, I got on the plane. I was fine. I went in the interview. He goes, that's not what I mean. You weren't supposed to get on the plane. I don't know. He said, maybe something was going to happen that wasn't right. Maybe not. He wasn't specifically saying about a problem with a plane, but maybe it wasn't just the right time for you to be there. And I thought, oh, I thought it was because they didn't like me. Now, I know this. Hmm. I speak this. <laughs> my, my husband told me to go read my book that I just wrote. Your the, own book. My own book. He said, read your own book. Remember what you tell others. Tell yourself the same thing. Be What's kind an example? Be kind to yourself. Mm. Say, okay, you were not supposed to get this job. It's not because you're lacking. It is because of other extenuating circumstances. And you are still an audience producer. And you are still a woman with a purpose that it will never be taken away, no matter what title you have. Beautiful. It's just, it's just not possible. So, but what the really cool thing is, it's the next day. So I cried for 24 hours. The next day I had to be myself. I had to be my love speak self because I was emceeing an event for a new, wonderful platform that's called the next collective. And you can find it on Instagram at The Next Collective. And it is a platform for women who are experiencing their next. Either they're returning to the workforce, they are becoming an entrepreneur, they're trying to find their purpose, they're doing a pivot, whatever it may be. It was a community of 100 women led by the woman who hired me. As soon as I got there and I was pulling this community together with my voice because it was my job. I was like, yeah, no one can take this away from me. I'm good. How interesting. What a beautiful God moment. There's so many in there, but one of the ones that I'm really catching right now is that you got to share with these women who've 
come together because they don't know what's next. And you were in the midst of mourning what you didn't know what was next because you thought you knew what was next, certain about it, so fresh in it, so in it. And yet you had to download the truth of what you know and what you teach and what you just wrote your book about to a hundred women who are counting on you to speak the truth. Right. And so how did that impact you? Well, I honestly thought I was going to go in there and I'm like, yeah, now I know my next. But I was way better going in there saying, I don't know my next. Mm. And it was, it was, it was a really beautiful moment. And every speaker, every woman speaker in the room, we did not tell the same story because none of us do. But it was, it, they weren't the same details, but it was the same message. Yes. It, it was, everybody had a story. Did I know this was what we were going to be talking about? No. But everybody who spoke, spoke about the time that they got punched in the gut. Mm. And something was taken away from them. Mm. When their agent called and said, we're dropping you. When, you know, TV station called and said, your show's over. Whatever it was, everyone had the same story. And yet they were all standing and they were all successful. And as I said in my blog that I wrote about Melanie Penchel, who hired me, who started this next collective, she hired me to help her launch her brand as the MC for her event. She had no idea she was going to launch me into something bigger and better for myself. It was like a healing. Mm -hmm. So, but that's what happens when you're in a room with a hundred women and it becomes a community and you are all sharing yourselves and your stories and our stories are what connect us and they make us better humans. And that's what we were there for. And by the way, it's no different. You cultivating that super soul community at the next collective, as you did at the Oprah Winfrey show for all those years. So you maintain who you really are, the truth of who you are, regardless of a title of an audience producer. Right. Right. Because you're Sally Lou Loveman. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. I love that. <laughs> I love your name. It's the best name. I got the chills. I like that. I am Sally Lou Loveman, as you are Michelle Soro. Mm. And none of us can ever take that away from who, from any, no one can give us a title and take away a title. Yes, we can work. We can be hired. We can do all those things. But at the heart and soul of who you are, that is never, ever going to be gone, whether you get a paycheck or you don't. And it is something to honor and to, to covet really, to, to protect, to serve and protect it because no one can take that away from me and I will do it until I die. This is beautiful so that you continue to take action, but that you know the truth of who you really are, which is the awakened soul aspect of this podcast. Now, for people who are listening that are in the middle of that transition, that don't know what's next, didn't get the opportunity to go and sit in that beautiful community amongst 100 women just like them, what can we offer them in this moment that they can immediately try to get them in tune with the truth of who they are? So they are suffering for not longer than they need to for one more moment. And we need to suffer. We need to have 24 hours of of mourning. I love that you did that. You didn't bypass it. Yeah, I I did it. I got it. I got it. I did it. It hurts. It stings. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to last. And it didn't kill you. It doesn't kill me. You can take out that sting and now you're going and you're finding what's next. And what I would say to anyone listening who is thinking that there is nothing next, Mm. (laughs) first of all, that's not possible. There's always... (laughs) Even when we think it's the end, that Mm -hmm. the curtain has drawn, like, nope, there is something next. And the only way to find your next is to get 
out of your house <laughs> and to get out of wherever you're holed up because you're sad and get connected to a community. It can yeah. be one person, it can be a hundred women, but a community is what serves us always. So the minute you are feeling that you don't know where you're going next, that's when you reach out to your team. And a team mm -hmm. is not someone that has to work in your building. A team is not someone that has to be in your company. A team is anyone you want because you're in charge of deciding who's on your team. You're a hundred percent on my team, Michelle. You Likewise. are my team. Yes. And that is because you are someone who cares mm. about the betterment of humans and the betterment of women and the betterment of connection. And so you're on my team. You do things that I don't understand how to do. Therefore, you can help me. And I can help you with things that you might not know. So your team can't look like you, act like you, think like you. They don't have to have the same talents as you. It's, in fact, it's better when they don't. Mm -hmm. And those are the people that you need to reach out to. If you have a mentor, that's the time to call your mentor. Again, purpose. What's your purpose? Go do that. You might not get paid for it, but go do it. You know what my purpose is? Connecting with people. If I'm not being paid for it, every time I leave this house, I am talking to someone. Whether they're checking me out at the grocery line or they're crossing a street. I am going to talk to people and that's what I do. And you know what it makes me feel so happy. Yes. So like, Oh, I mean, if I'm on an airplane and someone sits next to me, I am going to talk to them. Oh, I, mean, I would love that. You'd be one of the few people where I'd be excited to have a conversation with on an airplane. Exactly. <laughs> and the thing is, is that I'm, I'm a big true believer in compliments and I, not very good, as you know, because we started this earlier before we were on the, speaking on the podcast that I didn't even take a, a compliment. I'm very good at giving them out. I need to be better at taking them. And so I did try to say thank you. So thank you for reminding me. But compliments have a lot of power. And I also believe that if you are looking at your next and you need to take stock of what it is that you do really well and compliment yourself. So when I say be kind to yourself, mm. compliment yourself. I can tell you 75 things I do poorly, but I can tell you five really good things that I do well and focus on those five things. Mm. Write them down. Let them serve you as your purpose and see how you can use those in a way that can get you to something that is valued that someone's going to pay you for. And that is truly a gift because everybody's got a talent and everybody can use it and compliment people because that connects you to people. It reminded me of the airplane, a massively huge man sat next to me on a Southwest flight. And when I say massively big, I mean muscular, his biceps, his thighs, everything was like pouring over into my middle seat. He sits, gets himself situated. I'm like scrunched up. You can see I'm, I'm totally uncomfortable. And I looked at him and I was like, can I just say something? And I'm sure he's about thinking like, can you move? And I said, you smell delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? If you have bothered to shower and air travel's tough, right? But if you bothered to shower, I, you can put your bicep in my face all day long. <laughs> and, and you know what? It didn't make me scared to fly. Because I'm like, I'm in my purpose. I'm complimenting. You know how beautiful, girlfriend, whether you are on an airplane or at a grocery store. I got tears in my eyes because I thought, I hope Sally Lou Loveman knows that she is living her purpose of being a super soul community builder and connector everywhere you go.
And right now, I know for sure that there are people nodding as they're driving their cars, vacuuming their homes or whatever they're doing as they listen. And they're nodding in agreement because you, my friend, are speaking our love language of this podcast. I mean, that is so true. Here's the thing is we get so grand and I'd love to know what your thoughts are on this and then we're going to wrap up. But we get so grand about what we think we should be doing and what we think it needs to look like instead of realizing what you just said, which is we can be living our purpose every day. With the guy with the big, yummy smelling biceps to, you know, warming up the audience for the Oprah Winfrey show. It's all the same if we get out of our heads and the ego around what it, what the titles are, right? Yeah. One of the most beautiful quotes I've ever seen. I had the great privilege of taking my mother who invited me to the Mike Douglas show. I invited her to be watching Oprah exhibit at the museum. It was truly breathtaking, but Oprah's one of her many, many quotes in the museum. And I, and I, I don't have it in front of me, but it, it basically says like, we all have a platform. We all have our life. The audience is out there for you. And so mm. wherever you are in your life, you don't have to be, Michelle Soro and be, you know, on television or Sally yeah. Lou and be on a stage. You can be you, who you are and serve your audience because your audience is out there and they might be your family at the dinner table. Beautiful. They might be your friends. They might be your colleagues. They might be strangers, but mm. everyone can serve their audience. And when they do, guess what happens? We become better humans. And isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Yes. Being better humans. And when you feel like you're a better human, then you have a sense of fulfillment and joy and purpose. And people are always like, how do I get the purpose? How do I get the purpose? I don't know what my purpose is. I think actually the whole trying to find your purpose thing is crazy making, right? Because we make it be this big thing. It's like, what's the thing that brings you joy? Where do you expand when you contemplate it, you know, versus contract? What makes you feel really good? Go do that. That That could be your purpose, right? And that's what you're saying here. Yeah. I live with someone called my husband who (laughs) struggled with his purpose. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you now, I already have his book title. He's like, I'm not writing a book, Sally. I can't even speak in public. I'm like, why I have your book title? Because I What is it? pass me the ball. His purpose, he is just discovering and he's 57. Beautiful. See, we are never, it's never too late. Everything is always in divine right order, divine right timing, including whatever is next for you. And I know that you've got workshops and you're speaking all over the nation. I wish I was speaking all over the nation, but I am. I am. Well, you do. What is firing me up right now and lighting me up is this book. The point being is I wrote my story and I will tell you, you don't have to write a book, but if anyone is out there listening, please listen to me. When I say this, write your story. It is a gift to yourself. It is a gift to your family. It is a gift to the world because everybody has a story and a piece of mine will help a piece of yours. It won't be the same. It will help spark something in you. It will help a healing or it will help an inspiration. It will help an understanding, whatever it may be. So my book, I wasn't writing it to heal, but it healed me in every way. There are things that I struggle with. It has healed me. And so much so that I have like two or three more chapters to edit before I send the final, final manuscript. I've already sent it, but like I keep updating it. 
Cause like every day there's nothing to write about. I'm like, I gotta stop. I almost, <laughs> I almost don't want it to end because I love the process. It's a it beloved is, friend now. It's your confidant. It's my confidant. You know, who's my other confidant is my meditation. Mm. So that's basically it. You know, when you are in your own inner, most deep thoughts where you're truthful and vulnerable and loving to yourself, even the parts of the story that you struggle to tell because you don't want to tell them because they are, are so hurtful. Mm. Those are the stories that where people lean in and say, oh, that happened to you too. Oh, yeah. okay. That happened to me. Maybe not exactly like it happened to you, but I like what you said. Okay. I'm going to think of that differently. That's the point. And that's what our stories do. And my tagline for my book is love your story. Like it's your job because it's our job. It is our job to love our stories. To own who we really are. Now, do you have the title yet? It's speak. It's, you know, I was going to do the unexpected speaker because that's that's what I, sort of my theme of what I do for all of my speaking. I unexpectedly became a speaker and then I do use a lot of unexpected moves when I speak, but it is just speak. Love your story like it's your job. Your audience is waiting. <laughs> Lovely. I love it. And so, uh, so my friend, and, and by the way, for all of you listening, Sally Lou is giving me a special session um, to help me come up with my own story. And then I want to come back on and share that. In fact, I would love it, Sally Lou. I'm so in love with this conversation. We've got to wrap up for time, but I'd love to have you back on and help my listeners come up with a few ways in which they can start creating their own story so that they can love their story and own their story. Would you come back on? I would. And I'll, I'll give the everybody homework. Of course, I'll come. I'll okay, come homework. Up. We love homework. I'll give you homework and just start writing them down. Start writing them down. Start writing little bits of stories down. Like just give it a title and then go back and add to it, obviously, because they come to you and you realize, oh, and then when you start writing them, they all begin to sort of make sense. So really the homework is just to start writing a few down and then build on that. And when you say a few, a few what? Oh, a few, I'm so sorry, a few stories, a few moments in your life. Like, that you remember. Yeah. Standout moments. And they yeah. don't have to be big moments. Just like, yeah. just any moment that you can remember yeah. vividly. Yes. Okay. And the other great thing is to take a storytelling class, which it, uh, which I did and I was terrified. But well, I did maybe you need to ago. teach that. Years ago. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love it. it. I was scared. And my friend, I am so excited that you are writing your own story as you are in the next chapter of a beautiful mission-driven life. I am so honored that you are on this show. Now, as my final and only real canned question, how do you describe an awakened soul? Oh, an awakened soul is someone who sees things that others might not mm -hmm. and might walk by. An awakened soul is who feels and sees and smells and touches and feels everything. Every five cents is awakened. And you don't miss things. Like when the universe is calling, some people just don't see it. I see it all the time. And for me, the more I spend time in meditation, the more I spend time in prayer, the more I spend time speaking to people who also have awakened souls, my soul just keeps getting more and more woke, <laughs> more and more woke. And that to me, just don't miss it. It's all the signs are right there. I spoke someone's name the other night at a restaurant to my girlfriend. And within 30 seconds of me saying her name, I haven't seen her since the Oprah show. She walked in the restaurant. I said, 
okay, now I'm scaring myself. That is how it works. And that is a woke soul. So thank you for sharing that. What a beautiful description. Thank you, Miss Sally Lynn. (laughs) Thank you, Michelle Soro. Loved every second of it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fire and Soul podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at fireandsoulpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.